the blast from our past network. This is Jesus Garcia from Nightmare Announcer. You're listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Listen in. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. Welcome to another hunky boy episode of TV Obscura. I'm show running tonight. It's me, the big Z, Tiny T. And uh, tonight we are going to be talking about three dynamic dude-esque episodes of some television shows that you may have remembered or you may not have. We'll find out when we jump right into it. But joining me as always is my illustrious, boisterous, beautiful, and bodacious co-host, Sleazy C. What's happening, homeboy? What up? I'm channeling Fern tonight. What up? What up? <laughs> That's our pal, our, our mutual friend. <laughs> and uh, always our, our, he's definitely no He's no third-string quarterback by any means. He is definitely the Steve Young to our Joe Montana, meaning he'll take over and dominate, <laughs> as Steve Young did. Uh, our third amigo in the box, Diallo Jackson. What's happening, Diallo? Hola, que tal? Mi nombre es Diallo. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? ¿Cómo estás? Bien, ¿y tú? That's always as far as I can go. <laughs> Donde esta la biblioteca? Um, exactly. So last last time we uh, last last TV obscura, we had a lot of fun with uh, the shows that now are totally escaping me. <laughs> <laughs> it was our it was our babes episode, our cartoon oh, crushes. Yeah. There you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This one won't promise to be sleazy or go down any weird rabbit holes. Who knows? It might. There's gonna. Um, it's you always... can't promise that. You can't promise that. <laughs> you cannot promise that because with the three of us, who the hell knows? And, and real quick, I got so much uh, responses. Uh, Diallo, you saved me so much last episode, and everyone was so impressed by that. So thank you. I just want to. I just want to give you a shout out for rescuing me from that insane downward spiral. But yeah, expect expect more. I'm sure this episode. You're you're very welcome. Um, you know, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I know where your brain goes, and I'm always ready to save you. <laughs> oh, I think we, we the the two of us definitely saw it. I think we were both like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And Diallo was like, I'm going to pull this guy out before he gets, before the law and order. Gagoon. <laughs> Zach had a, a very deer in headlights look when it was happening. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was like, uh, yeah, I was, I was like. Well, one character in one of these shows uh, throughout looking very vacant in the eyes, um, but we'll get to that later because we're talking tonight about three very distinctly different shows, but all in some weird way uh, share a level of hunkyism. As yeah. you can tell, I clearly cannot get Psycho Goreman out of my head, and so everything's hunky, hunky, hunky. Uh, we are talking about the three shows we'll be covering tonight are Midnight Caller, Alien Nation and Hawkeye. And uh, obviously we'll break those down as each one 
it gets discussed. I will be discussing Midnight Caller, Corey will be discussing Alien Nation, and Diallo will bring us home with Hawkeye. I just like saying that that way. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. It has nothing to do with the show. Can, can uh, I just maybe say I should it's, be it's, like, it's hard to find information on Hawkeye, the 1994 property, when you Google Hawkeye, because oh, now yeah. all it is, is is MCU, the TV show Hawkeye yeah. stuff coming. It's, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, let me go to page three of Google to find 1994's <laughs> Hawkeye. How dare they? How dare they? How dare they? You take Lee Horsley's name out of the race. We'll, we'll the get past. into it, but it's, there's a good reason why. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the only thing I have to say to that is, that's uh, alienation speak for, I have no idea what is going to happen next. Um, yeah, so so because these we, we typically go in um, numerical order of release date, We'll be going with Midnight Caller, followed by Alienation, and then Hawkeye. Um, so I'm going to jump right in with Midnight Caller. Midnight Caller is a very near and dear show to my heart um, for many reasons. It aired from October 25th, 1988 to May 17th, 1991. It lasted for three seasons. Some people might say, that's not an obscure show. Well, it kind of is if you think about it, because as, as much as that show lasted, it actually is unknown to many people, including Corey. I'm, I'm raising my hand. It is obscure to me. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. I think uh, I think when Diallo Diallo and I uh, watched this, oh my God, we're we're vaccinated and we can hang out together now, finally, and uh, and all good. And Diallo came over and we watched an episode of Midnight Caller recently, and we both were like. This show was on for three seasons. That's a that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time for a show that didn't feel like it did. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason for that because the show originally aired on a Tuesday night and did really, 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 really well. Uh, then it got moved to I think Friday nights think and Friday. did really, 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 really bad and just basically was a victim of uh, you know time slot movement, um, which is. A sad story with so many great shows, right? The minute they move it from that sweet spot, it gets dead in the water. L- let me guess, Dallas killed it, the same as Dallas killed Misfits of Science and another show we discussed on here, uh, the the juggernaut that is Friday Nights, right? So I'm assuming that's what happened to Midnight Caller. Probably. There was probably a show on ABC or CBS. Because NBC always seemed to get their asses kicked on Friday nights. Yeah, I think the same thing happened to Miami Vice, actually, mm. believe it or not. Um, but yeah, this show, Midnight Caller, the, the it stars uh, Gary Cole, who many will know as a very good version of Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch movies. <laughs> uh, and of course, from Office Space, uh, Bill Lundberg, Lundberg fucked Um, yeah, we're going to need you to move that meeting to a little bit later in the day. So you're going to be working oh, about an hour past your normal time. Yeah. I hope you don't have any plans because you're going to have to cancel them. Great. Bye. Yeah. That Bill Lundberg. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I know him. Uh, I, I know and love him from uh, a show called American Gothic, which ran on CBS and was produced by Sam Raimi, I think. Uh, very That's a that's going to show up on our show eventually, TV cool. Obscura, because that's a great show. Lucas 
uh, Lucas Black, I think is his name, the, the kid from um, Sling Blade, but then eventually was in Fast and the Furious Part 2, the mm. Tokyo Drift one. Oh, three, yeah, uh, three. yeah. That was yeah, three. Lucas. You better Lucas get your. Black, you yeah. got to get your Fast and Furiouses right. I don't mess around <laughs> I with know. that stuff. How dare I? Especially with Diallo around, dude. Yeah. He'll put you on blast well, for that shit. <laughs> I know. I was about to jump in. I'm like, Diallo, you take this one for me. But yeah. Uh, well, two is terrible shows... also, so I had to take a stand. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Fun fact, I've seen none of them. Uh, and and real quick, uh, I love Gary Cole on Veep. He had a he was oh, kind yeah. of a recurring side character, but he it was he was very funny on that show, and that show is exceptionally funny. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And he's a he's a tremendously talented actor. Um, this is basically one of his first roles ever. Um, he was the lead, and uh, Wendy Kilborn played the producer on the show. She left after season two uh, because she got pregnant and had a baby. And she was replaced by Lisa Eilbacher, who we all know and love from Beverly Hills Cop and Leviathan. <laughs> um, but not not to be uh, definitely outdone, Dennis Dunn, our boy Dennis Dunn from Big Trouble in Little China, Wang Chi, and Prince of Darkness, of course. Mm-hmm. He was on the show as well. Uh, and then I'm going to say his name wrong. Uh, I think it's Mikkel, Mikkel T. Williamson. Um, who is a tremendously talented actor from Streets of Fire, Heat, uh, of course, Bubba Gump from Forrest Gump. Wildcats. <clears throat> and Wildcats, of course. Thank Football. you very much. The quarterback. Football. <laughs> so good in that. They were uh, the, the, the main principals. And then Arthur Taxier, who is like a, the detective on the show. Um, Brad Fidel did the music, the theme song to the opening of the show brad fidel of course of terminator and fright night true lies the list goes on and on great saxophone sexy sax sexy sax when people were like man i don't need it now everyone needs sexy sax who doesn't want sexy sax now yeah i was impressed when i saw that in the credits uh when i was watching the first episode i was like brad fidel holy shit nice so good, so good. Um, Ross Levinson did the rest of the music on the show, but it lasted for 61 episodes, which is phenomenal. And it was shot, it, it was shot in San Francisco, uh, which is really cool. It was um, obviously not all on location, but most of it, a lot of it was. The basic premise of the show is uh, Gary Cole's character plays a former police detective and Corey will shed some light on why he's a former police detective in a minute because he watched that show recently, uh, who becomes a late-night talk show host called The Nighthawk. And it's and so what the, the show is great because it'll have him in the booth talking about whatever's going on, and then they'll lead into an episode. And it's, you know, it's a drama, thriller, action-ish detective show that has some really really intense episodes we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute and one episode in particular almost brought down the show completely oh and uh and and just because it was a it just handled this particular subject a little awkwardly apparently the show was so popular where uh, a real life dj took on the name of the show but that didn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so Midnight Caller for me was really special in particular because 
Um, I loved edgy shows at that time. It's it's a really violent show for its time, uh, and and I just love the fact that it was it it, uh, it kind of had a cool factor to it overall. Uh, the the one show in particular that I had everybody watch was an episode called uh, "With Malice Towards One." And the reason I chose that one is because it starred guest starred Ted Levine of Buffalo Bill, Silence of the Lambs phase, uh, fame. And he was a uh, convict that gets out that's seeking revenge against Gary Cole's character, uh, Killian, and Killian's former girlfriend uh, and wants to kill them. Well, a lot of times when this stuff would happen on shows, they would like almost kill them and then they wouldn't kill them. Well, spoiler alert, the girlfriend gets killed and Killian almost gets killed uh, in a very intense, violent shootout in Gary Cole and Killian's uh, apartment in San Francisco. And it's intense. Like it is really, really, really fucking intense. Uh, And that Diallo and I were saying that to each other like, whoa, this is like really (laughs) edgy for a... uh, late 80s early 90s tv show on nbc of all things so is that the one you guys watched together the that one yeah yes yes it's episode season three episode 10 i believe okay um, okay I, and, I started with the the first episode because i was like i really want to know what the the situation here is you know so i jumped in with the the pilot i guess um what was it a uh, conversations with an assassin which i thought yes. was also a pretty cool name too for for the pilot but yeah so Great I, titles. I didn't, I didn't yeah. actually get to watch the other one. Oh well, you should definitely watch it. Unfortunately, the show is not available on on DVD or Blu-ray or anything like that. So the only way you can watch it right now, other than getting a bootleg, is through uh, YouTube, and the quality is really crappy. Yeah. Unless you're watching it on your phone, which is a little bit better. But you know, um, I will say really quick before I get your guys' thoughts. Uh, there was one episode in particular that was very controversial. It's called After It Happened. Uh, it starred Kay Lenz, guest starred Kay Lenz of House fame. Uh, and I think she won an Emmy or she was nominated for an Emmy for her performance. But the uh, the episode uh, in 88, its first season, was uh, it depicted a bisexual man who has AIDS who's deliberately infecting heterosexual women. Uh, and... Okay. Um, the man is gunned down in a vigilanteism murder, and uh, the medical team comes in with like a full hazmat suit to take his body away. Apparently, it caused so much controversy that uh, K R O N, a Bay Area Channel Four station, uh, had to have a response, um, like a one-hour episode uh, after, sorry, half-hour episode called "Midnight Caller: The Response," which kind of aired people's feelings about the show. It mm. was so controversial. Wow. Same around the same time on Phil Donahue, um, he was doing a show on AIDS and a woman called in who said she got infected by a guy, didn't tell her, and she was so angry and bitter that she was going to sleep with as many men as she could and infect them. And Phil Donahue, I remember watching this, Phil Donahue was like trying to get her, you know, convince her not to. And she's like totally angry, screaming on the phone. And then she just hangs up the phone and he goes, well, I really hope that was a crank caller, you know? And uh, very eerie and creepy. Anyways, um, the episode itself, I watched a little bit of it. It's fantastic and highly recommend it. I think now it's fine. I think people will not be offended now. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the show was uh, a big hit and then just got killed on the wrong time slot. 
but Midnight Caller is a very near and dear special show to my heart. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, guys, Corey? <laughs> uh, well, so, so you know, I, I tagged... Well, so let's let's go back to you saying this this show might not be obscure because you know it's it was on for three three years three seasons, but I say it was obscure to me because on the podcast After Dark's Instagram page, you know I follow like the hashtag like Big Trouble in Little China or something, and somebody posted this show in it because of Dennis Dunn, and so they just tagged Big Trouble in Little China, and I immediately tagged you two, and I was like. What the fuck is this show? You know, because just the look of it looked really awesome, and yeah. and my dreams came true because I was like, guys, let's we got to do this show on TV Obscure at some point. And Zach was kind of like going back and forth with maybe another show, but he kind of pulled the trigger on Midnight Caller. I was so excited, and honestly, I was not let down at all. I watched the first episode, the pilot, and I, I was like, you know, I know that you want us to watch like a later one, but I was like, I, I'm excited for the show and I want to see what it's all about. And that pilot was awesome. The The music was great. Like, it it doesn't feel like a TV show. It, no. It feels like a movie. At least that first pilot does. The cinematography was really fucking slick. It had just this you know, just this sleazy vibe to it in a good way, uh, good editing, good, like, like great music and really good fucking acting. And yeah. And like yeah. seven minutes into the episode, like Gary Cole, freaking you know, Nighthawk shoots his partner by accident. And it's, yeah. it's one of those things where like, oh, dude, it's so cool because like his partner actually saves him by shooting the, the, the perp that they were chasing who was behind, uh, you know, Gary, uh, Killian, Detective Killian. But, you know, of course, Killian doesn't see that, so he's returning fire to someone in the shadows, and it's actually his partner. So it's like his partner saved his life but also got killed in the process. It's very tragic. And yes. Gary Cole does just a fantastic job in the first episode of just bringing this like solemnness it's everything that i want from a detective he's 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 you know depressed he's drinking he's he's down on his luck and that's how i want all my police detective movies or shows to be <laughs> and uh and then and then he just gets right into to becoming you know like a, a, Honestly, obviously, the the suspension of disbelief sort of getting him into the role of being the the late night talk show host was a little bit of of a leap, um, especially because like in the very first episode, he does like a three hour stint with like no problems, uh, like a three hour show with like no problems, and we all know because we've all recorded full like four hour podcasting after dark shows, and it ain't easy to just slide right into that. So I was like, eh, I don't know if that's so so true, but ultimately. The episode itself was fantastic. Uh, if it was on Blu-ray or DVD right now, I would have purchased it already um, and and started watching it. Like be, it's that freaking good. And uh, unfortunately, Dennis Dunn wasn't in the pilot that much. I mean, he's there. His character's there as the the engineer and everything for the radio station. Um, but I was hoping to see a little bit more of him. But he's charming, of course. Um, and then the lady that runs the station, I thought she was fantastic. Fantastic. So I was a little shocked yeah. to hear that you know, you said she wasn't past uh, season two, um, but I thought yeah. she was Went great. Kilborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 got pregnant and then she left the show. Um, the, the Dennis Dunn is featured prominently in the one episode that Diallo and I watched, and it actually calls back to the first season because he doesn't carry a gun because of what happened. Uh, th th that's a big plot point throughout the whole show is that he doesn't use a gun. And something happens in this episode. I'm not going to say what it is, but uh, 
man, Ted Levine is at his evilest, uh, very buffalo. And this is right off the either Diallo right, right before it was right before Sons of the Lambs. It was right before. So he's got that. Yeah, he's got that vibe about him where you're like, oh man, this guy is a menacing mofo. And um, yeah, so. Anyways, just side note. Yeah, no, and and the 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 villain of the of this one was menacing too. She was pretty freaky, and it ended. It ends with him Nighthawk just blasting her out the fucking window, you know. But it's <laughs> it, there's nothing like like it's not supposed to be exciting. He because he once he does it, you can tell that it affects him, and I liked that. I liked. You know, you, you always see these shows where the cop, you know, Naomi Vice or something, just can blast the hell out of somebody. Then they're back in the gig the next day. It's all good. Here you could tell that, like, all these situations actually affected him. And I thought that was just just really good writing. And, and this is, again, this is the pilot. And we all know, like, the pilots are never usually the strongest of everything. You know, these shows usually kind of find their footing later on. But I was fully hooked with the pilot and like I said I would I would love to watch the entire series I will never do it on my fucking phone watching it on YouTube <laughs> but boy oh boy the day that thing drops on Blu-ray I'm fucking pre-ordering this shit because Midnight Caller man it was everything I wanted it to be from the moment that I saw that Instagram post and tagged you guys in it it was like everything was perfect exactly how i wanted it to turn out so thank you guys for that oh oh it's our, my our pleasure <laughs> diallo's familiar with it too but diallo what are your newest thoughts about this show uh post watching it and kind of digging into the show so i you know when it, i think it was i think it was one of your instagram posts zach where you posted um like it was dennis dunn's birthday and yeah. everyone's like saying like you know, stuff that he was in. And I was like, wait, Midnight Caller. Like, I, I hadn't thought about that show in, like, forever, but I totally, like, remembered he was in that. Um, and I think that kind of, like, sp- sort of, like, had a spiral to this moment, actually. Because <laughs> it, it really just kept, did. Yeah, because yeah. it just kept coming up. And, um, but anyways, yeah, I remember the, you know, I was in high school when that premiered. Uh, I remember the premiere night. I remember my mind being blown. Um, I just, I mean, I loved the show, the first season. Um, but then again, it was like, you know, like the tale that I tell with a lot of these shows is I went away to college and there was no, we didn't have cable. And I think by that time, like you had said, Zach, they had moved it to Friday nights and I was, I was too busy partying or whatever on Friday. So I didn't, (laughs) I didn't watch, I didn't watch uh, it then. And so my memory of it was really like, oh, it lasted like a season and then it went away. And I did, I kind of didn't remember it after that. Um, So yeah, I was surprised that it it actually had lasted three, three seasons. But um, yeah, I just like, so watching it again, like it took me, it's like, I know more about the world now <laughs> than I did way back then. Like then I was just like kind of blown away by what it was, but now I was really appreciating so much about it. Like just the opening credits, like that, that yeah. jazz vibe, the, uh, throughout the show, the music, which is, I, which is the reason why I actually think it's not on DVD. Um, cause that opening, um, sequence of the show had song by Sade, um, is it a crime? <laughs> Later on, they're playing Pebble's girlfriend. And yeah. then at the end, I think they're playing Aretha Franklin, Ain't No Way. Um, mm. So I just think that it's, you know, just because of the music rights is probably why it's not on 
um, DVD or yeah, video. Yeah, makes sense. But uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched um, uh, Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. but that like, it was in that final shot when he's shooting the the girl and she's flying out the window and she flies down. My brain jumped to Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is like the vibe." that cowboy bebop has when it has those like sort of like crime noir episodes and they're very pensive usually when spike is like dealing with his like his mafia past and he's like it's very slow paced and very like deliberate and like the the jazz is there that's what midnight caller was it it just it really made me feel like i was watching an episode (laughs) of cowboy bebop um, well, it plays a character, it, it, and if it really does, you know, yeah. the music, the music should play yeah. the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A, and I love yeah. the jazz in this man. I thought this. I thought the music was fantastic. It, it set the tone for the vibe of the whole thing, and it's it, it was pretty perfect because yeah, it's early '80s nighttime. You know, I mean, what else? What else do you think of besides like jazzy kind of fucking music? You know? Yeah, right? but it wasn't. It wasn't like. You know, I was kind of expecting it to be, especially with the opening credits, I was expecting it to be a little bit more cheesy feeling. But yeah. as the episode yeah. went went along, I had, like that wasn't the case. Like I was like, you know, I kept watching it and I just like, yeah, this show is a vibe. You know, it just like it was a vibe. The, the whole it just had this whole thing going on that you just you just like you get into it and you're like, yeah, I'm here for this. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, you know, like you were saying, like the lighting. Um, and I, you know, I think, you know, I, just, I don't know if you read the article I sent you, Zach, but um, they, I, I, saw, I saw sort of like the underpinnings of why it looked the way it looked. Um, you know, it was a little bit inspired by Miami Vice, um, not like yeah. directly by Miami Vice, but just like the idea. I think they said like MTV meets uh, talk late night talk radio or something. Yeah, um, like the idea yeah. that you can infuse style into a TV show. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eve, I think they said Eve Saint Laurent and some other like there was there was all this like this fashion stuff going on with it, and it did have that sort of like music video aesthetic to. A lot of the scenes when he's in the bar and um, mm-hmm. the lighting and yeah. that kind of stuff. You think like uh, it was like that um, George Michael video, One More Try. It kind of has that vibe to it. Um, yeah, I just, I, it just like I, I hadn't thought of it, you know, in decades. But after watching it again, like I really want to go back and watch the entire series. I just like I, I re-fell in love with it. And like to the, to the extent of the falling in love with it that I had, back in 1988 so um yeah and then you know from being from san francisco also that was like a little like thing is like they there's yeah. like li- they drop in little like locations and places and names like the giants team players of night late 80s i was like oh yeah dave dravecki that's awesome you know that kind of stuff <laughs> so um yeah midnight caller man just whew, i loved it and um, Dennis Dunn also, also, you know, a favorite of mine. So it was great to see him in it. And cause I always, I always remember, you know, um, big trouble in little China. And I, uh, was glad he was getting more work <laughs> when, uh, when midnight caller came out, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I think a couple things that stood out to me were, uh, one, the Bay area locations and then Diallo and I both watching it were like, oh yeah, this is shot on location even before we had kind of dug deep and figured out whether it was or not. Uh, 
and Dennis Dunn had a sweet mullet in the in the first uh, first season. <laughs> yeah, he, he loses it in the second and third season, um, or I think midway through the second. I, I prefer my Dennis Dunn mulleted. He's got a beautiful mullet. It's a beautiful Just mullet. like I, I prefer my Gary Graham mulleted as well. <laughs> but it, I will it, shout. Oh, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going Diallo, I, I just wanted to really quick swing back to what you said. Um, you were sort of surprised that it wasn't as cheesy as you thought it was going to be. That was I was shocked by that, too. And it wasn't like thinking that the show was going to be cheesy. It was thinking that it was just going to be cheesy because of the, the time period that it was sort right. of shot in. And more of like the, the tropes and the mentalities of TV writing and stuff back then. But at least with the pilot, the first episode, it felt very filmic. Um, like you said, the the lighting in the bar, none of it felt like TV style lighting, you know, where you have to see everything. There was a lot of deep shadows in this this show, um, probably accentuated by by the shitty compression of the uh, YouTube videos. <laughs> but it was it was still you can still tell that it was shot very purposefully to have a specific look. And yeah, it never ever comes off as cheesy in in either like by design or just by happenstance of it being an early 80s property it never feels cheesy if anything it, it feels probably more contemporary with a really cool retro uh jazz soundtrack basically you know dude the the story was so good like the yeah. story like when i so i watched it and then i went back cuz I, I i mentioned the songs and i wanted to actually go back and like figure out what the the first song title was and I was watching the beginning, and I and I kind of realized, oh, this beginning of the episode ties into the end, and then I my my whole brain exploded again because I was just like, how complex that actually was. It just yeah. it it was like it was a really good story, and I think you could tell that same story now. Like you could, mm -hmm. like if you know, I'm not the biggest fan of doing like remakes or anything, but like say this movie never. The show was never made. You could tell the same story today, and it would still be just as good. You can make it into a, like a you know a movie or something. Um, they'd so, probably make yeah, him podcast a podcast host. I was, I was just gonna say they'd probably Where's make the... him a podcaster versus uh, a radio <laughs> yeah. host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> same peen. Yeah, same dude. Peen. I, I, I'm with you, man. I think not so much wanting a remake, but it's more like. I can see how how this story can hold up now. Uh, that being said, I actually think Alien Nation would be perfect for yeah. a remake, uh, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that I think that like Midnight Caller, again, especially with the first episode, but like Gary Cole, the way he 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 just internalized his you know the feelings and stuff like it just everything felt very real and and very well done and probably in lesser hands would have become the cheesy thing that, that we were all expecting it to be. But I think it's it was just probably lightning in a bottle with so many great members of the cast and, and probably people behind the scenes and everything and, and whatnot. It, and Brad Fidel's score or, or uh, theme music, you know, um, which sets the tone, obviously. It's yep. just like it, it seems like it could have gone off the rails at any point in time, uh, but didn't. So that's pretty damn cool. What you had said earlier about like how you want your detectives, like you want your detectives mm -hmm. to be all of those, those things. That's yeah. like, those are actually like, those are kind of like features of like detective and mystery fiction with, mm -hmm. especially in the, in the novels. And um, so 
the one thing that I really appreciated about it was the same as you. He had that, you know, the 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 alcohol, the drug or the depression and that kind of stuff and like the 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 noir feel of it. But it also was updated for at that time, the eighties. So he was a little wisecracky. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the the way that he could quip and when he I mean it's why he had the radio show was yeah. what kind of set it apart from that so it felt fresh in in an update of the genre so that and again it just it just it's just so like there's so many ways you could look at it and it was just so well done and he's a badass too like he's got being a former cop but also like the one episode uh that diallo and i watched together he takes down a guy really quickly with like a chokehold in um in with with malice towards one and it's just such a sweet move where you're like, this guy's such a badass. You know, he doesn't need a gun. He can, you know, he can he can take out anybody he needs to. And he does have that quip. Like at first, it sounds like he's doing like a New York accent, but it's yeah. more like a Chicago. It's like a Chicago thing, you know, being in the Bay Area, I guess. And um, and he's just such a well-rounded, dark character for a show that needs a dark character. There, I know there were like. Shows like this didn't last for three seasons back no. in the day. That's an, that seems like an anomaly to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They they just they would come and go. They'd be like, oh, it's too controversial. Oh, it's too dark. You know, we got to lighten it up a little bit. The first season of Miami Vice uh, was very much that way, very dark and gritty. And then it got a little bit lighter as the seasons went on. It never got to the comedic part that it, it that people claim it did or said. You know, I don't ever feel like Miami Vice really lost its legs i really don't i think it was it just it ran its course like it was done you know um but this show this show could have easily gone another two more seasons easily it should have it definitely should have is there any kind of conclusion to the final finale in season three or did they not think it was going to get canceled so it just kind of had a normal finale i don't think so uh, as far as i know it feels like um the the sh- the episode we watched was a nice bookend to the pilot. Zach, um, when was the last time you saw the pilot? Because I knew which one you, you guys both watched, but when was the last time you watched the pilot? I watched the pilot since it came out. Ooh, so Go back and watch that, buddy. It's oh, so I good. Oh, I will. Yeah, dude, well, not I, only oh, that. So good. You know, the uh, if, you, if you look at the awards that this thing was either nominated for or won, it's pretty outstanding. Uh, Joe Spano, who's like a, he's a veteran character actor um, on like Hill Street Blues and uh ncis he won uh an emmy for his episode the execution of johnny syringo or mm. john syringo mm. uh kay lens like i said she won an emmy for this peter boyle was nominated um <laughs> the the pilot was nominated for outstanding directing oh wow uh, yet um it, it it was also uh nominated for outstanding cinematography outstanding editing i can see that uh, i can see both uh, i can see all of those Mm-hmm. It's just kind of crazy. Like this, this show got nominated up the wazoo uh, in '89 and '90, so its first two seasons. Yeah. So you know, it, it in the fact that, again, I I totally get it. I totally get why these shows have licensing issues and they can't be put out, like Twenty One Jump Street or that '70s show or WKRP in Cincinnati. But it's such a crime and shame that these that they didn't figure that shit out back in the day so that we could have, I, they didn't have the foresight, right, to envision, well, people are going to want to watch this 20 years from now. 
Because clearly <laughs> we want to watch this 20 years after the fact. I absolutely so want to watch and it. And not on some mold. I don't want to watch it on my phone. Uh, I might go on. There's a guy selling it on DV, on eBay, like a bootleg. I'm like part of me kind of wants to see what the quality is. If it's just a VHS quality, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't even put it on. No, I wouldn't even put it on like them for not having the foresight because, I mean, growing up back then, like I, you you just never would have known. Even when they had home video, they didn't have – it wasn't like home video where you'd watch TV shows a lot. It was just strictly movies. But I yeah. think that they should just figure it out. <laughs> like just figure all that stuff out and get it yeah, out. I agree. Because it's, um, you know, especially like 21 Jump Street and – um. Again, I get, you know, go back to there's a couple episodes of Quantum Leap that they won't show on like Hulu or something because of music. And they were like, all of those things are just like, they're so, like, I remember, especially the music being such a part of the experience and it had an effect on me. And I can't ever watch it again because because of like rights and money. You know, it's a, it's a I, shame. I can't watch, I can't do that. I can't watch, uh, I'm not going to watch Dawson's Creek without. <laughs> I don't want to win. <laughs> yeah, famously, famously. Yes, yes. But, yeah. Um, I hate. That well, shit. so here, here it is. If we have any pop culture pull in this wacky industry, we need to get Midnight Caller out to the masses. By the way, um, th- this was pointed out in, in Diallo's article that he referenced. Uh, if you're interested, it, it's titled. Slick, sexy midnight collar pushes all the right numbers. It's Buffalo News from like 88. So if you just search slick, sexy midnight collar pushes all the right numbers, you'll pull up that article. It is a good article, uh, really well written and um, worth revisiting as well as the show. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad we could bring it to the to the table, guys. I'm yeah. glad it was. Uh, yeah, let's start up. Let's start a, you know, Midnight Caller, uh, bring it back to, you know, like, let's get it going, man. Let's get the whole, like, let's get everyone, get on the horn and get this show back on, uh, you know, get it on Blu-ray. Let's get like a, you know. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, Midnight Caller. That yeah, would be. Midnight Caller. It's a shame that no, that we can't watch this show. It just, it's it was so good. I, I, yeah, feel, yeah. I feel like a lot of times that's our, uh, that's our, phrase at, T- at tv obscure here it's like it's a goddamn shame we can't watch this because of freaking music rights and that is something that we're, we're i think we're going to keep dealing with uh moving forward um but with midnight caller i just want to wrap the episode up by saying or or the minute car part by saying dude like i loved it so much and if 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 we were having a party here right like an 80s party where 80s music was playing and like 80s stuff was on tv and everyone was doing stuff and like and having a good time i would not put midnight caller on the tv rotation because i think by the end of the first episode everyone in the party would be sitting in front of the tv (laughs) i I think it's that good that it would attract everybody's attention and it is a goddamn shame that it's not out on blu-ray so make it happen guys make Make it it happen come on now come on now uh i was gonna i was just gonna say to um i thought you were gonna say if there was an 80s party you dress up as killian for your Halloween costume. I, I wouldn't dare because I am not nearly <laughs> as cool as Gary Cole, dude. <laughs> Never in a million years would I be able to pull that off. <laughs> well, for, uh, and, and I, and also really quick, I'll just tag on to, I don't think talk show hosts were outside of like 
you know, Robert Downey Jr. Like it was referenced that Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey, yeah. Um, more, you know, were more, as popular. More. Radio DJs were not as popular uh, as they are now. Yeah. Or they were in the 90s anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. And with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. So from from midnight callers to visitors from another world, uh, we're going to talk about Corey's pick. Corey, what, what you got on the plate, baby? Well, you know, I mean, at this point, we could probably just put up the three pictures, and I'm sure everybody of the shows, everyone could pick which one's Diallo's, which one's Zach's, and which one's mine. <laughs> I even tested it with my friend Bert. I sent uh, sent them all three. I was like, can you guess? He's like, oh, yeah, for sure. This one's that. I was like, yeah, there you go. 100%. So, yeah, Alienation. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Alienation, baby. In 1980, it was on one season on Fox, 1989 through 1990. Um, it was, of course, based on the the movie from 1988 with uh, James Caan and Mandy Patinkin. By the way, I am 43 years old uh, when I found out that Inigo Montoya was Sam Francisco in the original <laughs> Alien Nation. Because no guys and gals, I, I didn't know that. I had no freaking clue. Oh, I, I've wow. seen Alien. I've seen the movie. Uh, I actually saw it in the theater with my dad. Um, and I liked Same. it. I did like it because it was a cop movie because my dad loves cop movies. But my Alien Nation is the TV show. I went fully into the show. I watched every single episode when I was a kid. Um, I was about, uh, I think, 11 years old when it came out, so this is pretty damn near perfect. Um, it was early on in Fox. You know, it was a Fox show at the beginning of Fox's uh, inception. It was developed for TV by Kenneth Johnson, who also created V, Bionic Woman, and The Incredible Hulk show. Uh, the studio wanted a weekly science fiction version of Lethal Weapon, but he sold them on making it more akin to In the Heat of the Night. And I think that uh, was the right choice. Yeah. Um, Alien Nation, it did very well for Fox, but not as well as they sort of needed it to do as far as advertisers go and everything. So they kind of had to cancel it. Uh, but it built up such a cult following that they 
adapted because uh, season one ends on a cliff cliffhanger they adapted the script the beginning the, like the first script of season two they adapted it into a novel uh called like dark horizons they turned that novel into a comic book and then that comic book they actually turned it into a made for tv movie and then created four more so there were five made for tv alienation movies that canonically pick up after the first season and keep going through those movies and i think there's even comics and books and everything so it has a massive following by the way i always wish uh fox had done something similar to sarah croner to sarah connor chronicles uh because season two was so good it ended on such an interesting note that i wanted to see where that timeline sort of went but they never really went that way but alienation also they did a fox show yeah typical yeah exactly yeah another fox show by the way, side note, and I've said this before in front of Diallo, but I'll say it again. Uh, anytime I shit on Fox for canceling shows, Diallo, I, in my head, I can always hear Diallo saying, yes, that's true, but they also greenlight more genre shows than anybody else. They give more shows a shot. And I was like, you know what? You're 100% correct. And Alienation was was one of those. Um it also it actually uh, won a primetime Emmy for outstanding makeup uh, for one of the episodes. Uh, not not the whole thing, but like one of the episodes. Uh, the episode that I watched actually, I didn't watch the pilot for this. I watched a, one Zach recommended, which was Generation to Generation, which is episode fourteen, uh, season one, obviously. And I'm glad I did because I know that there's a lot of buildup in in the pilot and everything, but it's also kind of like a a pseudo retelling of the movie. You know, they, they change yeah. a lot of stuff up with, with some of the characters and the actors, which I'll, I'll get into in a second. Um, not just like the, the main characters, like who's playing them, but they like in the, in the movie, um, his daughter like is, is, has a husband, has a boyfriend and stuff. It's like, they make little subtle changes and everything, but I like how the, the family dynamic is set up in the TV show better. Um, let me real quick go through the some of the characters before you guys jump in. Oops. I'm still on Midnight Caller on IMDb. Hold on one As second. you should be. As I should be. Always, forever, and ever. <laughs> <laughs> so... On the TV show of Alien Nation, uh, James Kahn's character of Matthew Sykes is played by Gary Graham. Uh, robot jocks, guys. We all know and love him from <laughs> Robot Jocks. But to be completely honest with you... Gary Graham will forever always be the guy from Alien Nation TV show for me. Um, this is where I've always, this is where I first saw him and have always loved him from, and I think he's great on this show. And uh, Rick Springfield stand in. <clears throat> I kind of, uh, yeah, Rick Springfield. Yeah, it's like Rick Springfield. Or, or, and it's, honestly, as a kid, I kind of got him confused with Mick Jagger. I think it's because of the, the lips. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think Jagger I saw... and Rick Springfield had a baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Gary, Gary Graham. <laughs> um, Eric uh, Pier, Pierpoint. Eric Pierpoint. He plays George Sam Francisco, who was uh, Inigo Montoya's character in the movie. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff. But again, I will always, his face is burned into my brain at, with that prosthetic makeup and everything. Uh, but I will also just throw out real quick that he was the, uh, and only in a couple episodes of Parks and Rec as like the town sheriff. And I remember him and my mind was blown at, you know, two hours ago when I discovered this information. 
Um, his wife, Susan Francisco, played by Michelle Scarabelli. Uh, I know her from the Airwolf TV show. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, honestly, uh, here and there's not much, you know, obviously it's got your typical uh, character actors throughout the series. But like main people, I-, I was very shocked to see that Sean Six, who plays Buck, the oldest son, uh, the like the newcomer son, the alien son, he did nothing else but this. Uh, he's only done Alien Nation, as far as I can tell. Nikki Six's nephew? Maybe. <laughs> From Molly Crew. Uh, but Terry Trias, Zach, I'm fairly certain you know her. Uh, she was in Death <laughs> Deathstalker 3. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course I do. Of course. <laughs> but she played uh, the love interest, the, the newcomer love interest um, to Gary Graham's character of Matthew Sykes. Uh, you know, the story is, it's the same as the movie. A bunch of aliens uh, kind of are refugees come to Earth um, as uh, they're slaves. They are slaves in in the universe, right? Like they're a race of slaves, but their ship crash lands on Earth. And we have to sort of assimilate them into society. And it's a great way to talk about, you know, marginalized people in our society. It, it's kind of like how, how you know, X-Men comics used to be uh, back in the day, or, or, you know, some of the stronger X-Men stories. You use the X-Men to kind of give examples uh, of marginalized people. And yeah. I thought that this show did that in, in spades. I think it does it fantastically. Uh, I think it does what sci-fi, what good sci-fi does, like Battlestar Galactica, the, the new one. Uh, Diallo, remember that episode where no i don't remember any of the episodes i know battlestar galactica yeah, i'm, I'm waiting for you to say the scene because i'm going to quote like everything and uh, go i know <laughs> diallo's diallo. gonna be like what season what frame what minute diallo is the one that got me into battlestar galactica the reboot and uh, uh doctor who um but so diallo remember when they had to have the discussion uh, in Battlestar Galactica, because you know all the worlds are wiped out, and there's only like fifty thousand. Wait, before left. you go, I think I know what you're gonna say. The one where they have to contemplate uh, abortion. Is that what you're? Yes. Yes. Yep. And, <laughs> That's how and well I know the show. <laughs> yep. I know. And, and and I always thought it's this. It's such a great episode of Battlestar Galactica because. Even though their society, much similar to ours, is a, is a pro-choice society, but when it be, it's pushed to extreme measures, they had to have a discussion about outlawing abortion. And, and this one lady, uh, you know, didn't want to have a kid that she was pregnant with, um, and they kind of had to force her to do it. And it's it's the point I'm trying to make is the best sci-fi kind of allows you to consider these scenarios that we would never sort of get a chance to sort of consider or paints them in a new light like Alien Nation, uh, paints get like known scenarios in a new light to allow us to look at differently and and hopefully, uh, you know, the viewer can absorb the information and, and make the personal change uh, inside. And, and this show very much deals with discrimination, uh, racism, or I guess uh, speciesism, I guess, but then you can replace that with racism. Um, Xenophobia. Xenophobia. And then they have some fun with, like, the males in in the species are the ones that actually give birth. So there's a whole like thing going on where where the where Sam Francisco George has to give birth, and you know it's it's all the fun tropes that you want, like him walking around being like I can't, you know, women couldn't do this, you know, talking about the females of his species. 
movies, you know, it's just, it's funny. It works. And I think that's when sci-fi is at its best. And I'm glad Diallo's here for the discussion because this is a discussion that, that we've had. This is, this is, you pointed that out to me that sci-fi works best when it's, when it can show you things that you weren't ready to sort of see or understand. So, I just want to say, too, just before you guys jump in, um, the episode that I watched, Generation to Generation, I freaking loved. Um, I loved everything that I loved when I was a kid. I, I love uh, uh, George, you know, San Francisco. Uh, he's, he, he also goes by George because uh, Sykes didn't want to call him San Francisco. Didn't want to have a partner named San Francisco. But, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the whole... F- I, I like fish out of water scenarios. Um, I like scenarios, especially in Generation to Generation, where, uh, you know, he has to kind of, like, come to grips with, you know, what he's wants to do as a, as a species or versus like, like, you know, what's right for his people versus kind of being an, a police officer and in main and kind of walking that line. I like that kind of shit. And honestly, the chemistry between the two leads is fantastic. And the, the, the prosthetics look great. Like I never think that those are like, you know, just English or just actors, you know, with prosthetics on. I'm always fully into it, and I'm like, yeah, they, they're aliens. And it's because they have, like, this alien dialogue that they can easily speak, although, you know, I don't think it's as fleshed out as probably Klingon is, but it's done well enough so that you're like, okay, and it seems like they know what they're talking about, and it all kind of works to sort of sell the world and everything. And I think it, honestly, I think it holds up really well. Uh, if you, I think if it, there's two DVD sets out. One is the series, and then I think uh, there's a Best Buy exclusive that came out in 2007 that is all the movies uh, on oh, one wow. set. So technically, you'd cool. have to buy both. Um, but I'm kind of open, again, that maybe we have some sway in this world, and we just get a Blu-ray box set that has all the entire first series and then all five of the of the TV movies. So I, I, that's what I hope we see. But um, yeah, I thought this held up very, very well, and it reminded me how much I freaking loved this show uh, as a kid. Um, Diallo, what, what were your thoughts on it, buddy? Yeah, I mean, alienation, <laughs> you know? Um, I Again, like you, I watched it, uh, you know, when it, when it debuted. I religiously watched it every week. Um, when it uh, went off the air, I remember... The cliffhanger just being like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? And then watching and then I was excited to, to find out there were going to be movies. And I watched most of them. I think maybe the first couple. Um, I don't I actually didn't. Remember. You said there were like five of five movies. Yeah, th- there were five. And I think that correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the cliffhanger was the the they're they're. The slave masters essentially uh, came uh-huh. into the picture and were basically yeah. asking Earth for them back, like essentially, like hey, you, we got to get them back. Um, and and I didn't see any of the TV movies. What did the overseers look like? Do you remember? I don't. I don't remember. Okay. I remember okay. tuning in to watch it. I actually, because I kind of feel like I remember, like it was the the slaver, the slave masters there, but then also, <laughs> like I think. Uh, Francisco was having his kid at the at the, at the, at the finale. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was what, how it kind of ended. I think I might have been more into that than the the other parts, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, like alienation, like you know, I I I remember when the movie came out, but I was I didn't I don't think I, I didn't see it in theaters, and I was it was just the TV show that I knew, and I went back and watched the movie eventually. 
Um, but it, you know, it's not not as um, not as uh, impactful or influential as Blade Runner. But follow me a little bit. Um, Blade Runner, like people don't want to acknowledge this. Like I know, I know everybody loves it, but Blade Runner actually bombed at the box office. Oh yeah, but yeah. but. It's highly influential. Like you brought up Battlestar Galactica. Like there's so many elements from Battlestar Galactica in that. Um, one of my favorite anime, Bubblegum Crisis, uh, influenced by that. Um, it just like it. There's so much from the movie that influenced other ones that it's almost like you don't realize that that actually came from that film, or it, it may not originally maybe come from that film, but that's where it had its uh, like its impact point across the people that would eventually go on to make movies. So Alien Nation actually had that same sort of like um, impact, but on a, a far lesser extent. But do you know, I remember when um, District 9 came out um, people were praising it for being so original. And I was like, this is, I mean, I like District 9. I'm not like saying I didn't like it, but I was like, this, this actually is Alien Nation. <laughs> you know? It's just Alien Nation, guys. <laughs> it's just Alien Nation, you know. Um, and then also, like, uh, the movie Bright wanted to be what Alien Nation yeah. was. Um, and it just, it, did, it didn't do that. But, um, no, but that was it, like yeah. a bad remake. Yeah, yeah just like it didn't get why Alien Nation worked, I think. <laughs> um but yeah, it, but it had that same dynamic. Watching the pilot, like I, you know, the thing like you were talking about, like the uh, like the social messages that were in the in the uh, show. Um, you know, one of the things that I you know I noticed today, it's like we have labels for a lot of stuff now. So, you know. You, you know, people call them SJWs or like they're always like, uh, you're woke, you're too woke. Um, why are you putting this person of color in my in my team up of uh, superheroes? And, they, and they, people get super triggered by it now. And I and I always kind of scratch my head because I'm like, I, I'm like, were you watching the same things that I was watching when I was growing up? Yeah, because like, yeah. you know, start, I just recently rewatched Star Trek and like <laughs> that was just one big social progressive message <laughs> you know um yeah. quant quantum leap and bring that up again maybe i'll have to do that show it's not really obscure but um <laughs> but uh like that's another show like it just like it was pushing boundaries um in terms of like enlightening us to like how we probably should be and so when i was watching alien nation the pilot especially i was like like oh, jesus like this i mean like it just took it tackled this stuff head on and this was like 1989 1990 it's like 30 yeah. you know, 30 something years ago um it's so this, like none of this is new none, none of these conversations that we're having today are new we've been talking about it forever um so anyways it like in in the the pilot really went in there was that that scene where um uh, Gary Graham, he's uh, he's like giving a speech to to the entire like group because they're trying to like uh, I forget what was the, they were they were trying to they were harassing the little girl and he gave like mm -hmm. a speech and it, it just there was just there was so much about how we relate to minorities um, how uh, you can have bigotry um, and it, it did it in that veneer of science fiction where like I liked. Um, how all of all of the races were bigots towards <laughs> towards the yeah. Tanktonese, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, what's the actor's name? Isaiah Washington from um, Welcome Back, Cotter. 
he oh he's Lawrence a, Hilton Jenkins Lawrence Hilton yeah he was like yeah. he he was very like antagonistic towards uh, I think is Albert was his name yeah um, yeah so oh, it's yeah like, the, the 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 janitor right the janitor yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so I mean so it's like it's like they took they took that idea and they kind of like put uh, a veneer over it so that it wasn't so direct but it's very direct. And that's the best kind of sci-fi, like you were saying earlier, because it just like it shows you it sh- it shows you how stupid you are being like in real life, you know. Yeah. Um, like you know, go back to that Star Trek episode where the 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 guys have one half of their faces white and one half is black, and then yeah. it's like yep. flipped on the other race, but or the other group, but for some reason they don't like each other. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just shows you through that different lens. Um, so I just, yeah, alienation just was great. I liked, um, I really liked how they had the scenes with the family and it shows how um, an immigrant family would deal with living within a culture where the predominant um, society kind of tells you how you should be, but they're still trying to find their way. Mm-hmm. Um, the struggle between the dad and his kids, the older son's a little rebellious, his little daughter, it just, there's oh there's so there's just so much to it it's really it's really deep and i you know again i really enjoyed watching this again and real quick Diallo, you said uh like you said just keep in mind everything that i said before you started talking was pretty much uh came from conversations that you and i had years ago uh mm-hmm. about science fiction writing and everything and uh you, you really opened my opened my eyes to a lot of things when we were doing our Battlestar Galactica uh binge so <laughs> nice. so thank you for I that love it. Uh, i love it Zach, uh, what, what were your thoughts on Alien Nation, my man? I you, I know you were a fan before, right? I saw the movie in the theater uh, twice because oh, nice. uh, I loved it wow. so much. Did your mom? Did your mom uh, take you to that one? She did to both of yeah. them. Yep, because uh, my mom is a huge movie lover too, and James Caan and Mandy Patinkin and Terrence Stamp, uh, all three tremendous actors. Terrence Stamp was the main villain in that one um, from the Limey. And uh, James Kahn, his backstory that they pick up a little bit in the TV series is that he, his character is from Detroit. And I was like, oh, I'm from Detroit. That's cool. You know, even then it's set in L.A. Um, it's really hard to fill James Kahn's shoes because he's such a iconic actor. Uh, but Gary Graham does a pretty good job of that. I think he d- he brings his own kind of bravado to the character, which is good because the guy's already a good actor to begin with yeah i watched this show from the first episode to the last episode i, I revisited uh, generation to generation like you did that was the one i chose because i'm like which one kind of gets the most notoriety uh and it, it made sense why they use kind of common tropes like uh the the briefcase from kiss me deadly you know where they open it up and the light shines through before pulp fiction did it uh, again, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. by the way, and, uh, just FYI, but they get, they did get that from kiss me deadly. That's where that comes from a great noir kind of sci-fi noir movie. If you're ever interested in watching that, it's really good. In my opinion, one of the best, um, kind of cheesy American noir films, but, uh, I, I like the play on, um, you know, xenophobia, like we said, and like you guys said, and I feel like sci-fi horror can get away with more topical controversial issues than straight up dramas can because they people unfortunately 
you know, idiots who would be offended by it if it was in a drama or an action movie don't necessarily get it right away. Oh, no, that's an alien. I, I don't mind. That's racist to get. I, I like aliens. You know, it's like suddenly they, they start. It, it, it's a better way to, to reach those idiots out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love the show. I always love the message. Uh, I agree with Diallo. Blade Runner, I think, uh, you know, Blade Runner doesn't get the right credit it deserves in other areas. It just gets the credit for just being like a groundbreaker aesthetically, but there's so much more going on there, you know. But yeah, I love this episode. I, I wanted to point out uh, Michael Faustino plays the little kid in this episode. That uh, Oh my God, yeah. that was him? Yeah. I didn't... Michael Faustino, who's Eugene from the, the Monster Squad, uh, wow. you know, what does he say? Uh, a mummy came in my house. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and really sweet. Like it, it's not done in a, it's actually done in a really nice way. It's like a very, uh, there's no punchline involved with him because Sykes character has to be like a big brother to Michael Faustino and they don't do it. Michael Faustino is like making up things that they did on their trips, even though uh, Sykes is, you know, kind of flakes out on him a bunch of times. And at the end, you realize that they have like a connection, which yeah. is really cool. I, I really appreciated that. Um, it wasn't cheesy. It wasn't it, at all cheesy. No, it, it, it you know, I think uh, it's nowadays, uh, man, what they can do with uh, special effects and makeup now, I would love to see what they would do now. Uh, I agree with you. I thought the makeup makeup effects look great. Occasionally, there's a dude whose head looks really tall, and you're like, oh, that looks like the guy, the zombie in Dawn of the Dead who gets his head chopped off by the helicopter because you're like, oh, they added two inches because maybe that guy's got a lot of hair on his head. Thank you. Thank you for calling that out. I've always hated that the helicopter zombie's head because, yeah, you can tell they add, like, fucking two feet on top of his head. Yeah, I've always hated by, that. Thank you. By the way, by the way, Romero... Uh, his wife, rest in peace, his wife, uh, you know, did an interview and she's like, you know, George thinks George thought that everyone hated him. And and I'm like, you know what? This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy's like bucking for attention. And I because we know that no one likes me. I haven't got any friends. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone reaches out to that person. They're like, fuck off, dude. You, 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 no, you're popular director. Yeah. And people love you. <laughs> Just man up and admit when zombies, zombies shouldn't run. Zombies shouldn't run. It's, it's, it's a whole other discussion. Anyways, um, sorry, I didn't mean to deviate it's a, there. It's it's a, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going. Anyways, um, Army of the Dead. Anyone? No. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so my my uh, my little hot takes are: uh, I love this episode because you get a glimpse of the planet that they're yeah. from. Mm. Yeah, this was the like the only end. time you actually got to see the planet. That was really yep. freaking cool. It was beautiful and magical. That's that little. Uh, felt so good watching that. It felt so good. I, yeah, I think on on one hand I was like so happy to see that. On the other hand, I was like, "That's all we're gonna get. Come on, a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more." But it's really, it's really beautiful. It takes itself seriously, but it doesn't. But it's not afraid to kind of poke fun at itself too. Yeah, it's, I was, I was going to say, it, it, right? but it's still fun. It still has fun. Well, that's what like, makes it fun. Yeah, like in the episode Sykes we were watching, is a little bit of. 
like with Gary Gary Graham, you know, uh, uh, just you know, chasing the the old hippie guy through the through the woods, and he's like all out of breath. And, oh, or the yeah. fact when they found the body, the skeleton, like the, he's like he hates the woods. He's like hitting his neck with the mosquitoes. It's yeah. just the perfect level of silly fun. It it never oversteps. It's it's welcome, you know. And, and I think it's that's Gary Graham right there. He does a good job. He can go from fun, silly one second to pretty serious the next second. Yeah, I mean, it plays on Sykes' character from the first one. Um, oh, my God. You guys probably, Diallo, you probably know this. Uh, you know, uh, uh, James Conn's character injures his wrist in the in the beginning of Alien Nation. The mm-hmm. character does. So he's wearing, a like, a brace or an ace bandage around his wrist throughout the majority of the movie. And it plays, comes up later on where it's like he practically has his wrist broken, you know, but he has to, like, defeat the Terrence stamp and like put him in the water, right. And t- to burn him or whatever. Um, I used to wear a brace on my wrist because I thought it looked cool. Like I want to be like James Conn. Like, what the fuck? Seriously? So influenced by this shit. That being said, uh, you know, I was not, uh, uh, as influenced by this show, but I still loved it. I still loved it. And, uh, I love the, the, the world they built, Right. Mm -hmm. For a for a mainstream for a mainstream Hollywood movie, which is what this is. They they built a great universe. Why it never got a sequel is beyond me. Maybe it didn't do that great at the box office, but shit, Blade Runner got a sequel. I don't care if it's 30 years later. It's still got a sequel. (laughs) I I mean, at this point, easily at, at this point, I would rather a sequel to the show. Um, and have it just, yeah, pick up, like have Gary Graham maybe be that the head or the captain or something, you know, and, and, but keep it the same universe, keep all the same characters or just have them grown up and everything. And I think right now we could still have this show on air and it could still, you know, be just as important now as it was back then. And I, I think while we're just real quick with talking about James Conn and everything, you know, I think it was a smart choice not to try to get someone who's like emulating James Conn and just go with somebody almost completely different with uh, Gary Graham. And I think that was a smart choice because, I mean, as much as I the TV show is my my alienation is the TV show and Gary Graham is my detective uh, uh, Sykes, I am aware that James Conn is James Conn and you there's no other James Conn. So don't try to don't try to put somebody in there that's like a James Conn light. Just do a whole new different style of person. Yeah, and I will tack on to that statement that um, as much as I love Manny Patinkin, and I really do, I think he's a tremendous actor. I think the the the, the San Francisco character on the series is fleshed out more overall. He's given more. That's what you actually need. Yeah. You don't need. We already know Sykes. He's he's a white guy, a white cop. So you know his backstory, basically. It's the same backstory as everybody else. But you want to know more about George, San Francisco, yeah. because he we don't know this universe, right? So it's so cool to see that develop over the course of the you know, X amount of episodes it was on. So and anyways. Eric Pierpoint brought such a warmth to that character, I oh, thought. Yeah, agreed. I yeah. I love him. That's I think that's a great character of George Francisco. I think he's a fantastic character. And I think he's a fantastic TV dad to to look up to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it got I think it it, it, it it's a different take. Like George mm-hmm. in the in the movie was so like fish out of water, brand new, wanted to be the the good guy. This one was like you took 
uh, Michael, what's his face from Family Ties, the dad on Family Ties, <laughs> and put an alien outfit on him. Yeah. He was he because he was that kind of a character. As a family, he was the cliche dad. Right? Yeah. And then it was the also, but he was a, also an alien. So there you go. Who drinks boiled milk? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that. That's so good. Oh, so good. Alienation. What a what a great show, man. Great what a great show. Yeah, so, really. Glad fun. you guys liked it. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. La la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. From Midnight Callers to Aliens, we're going to go back in time to Hawkeye. (laughs) To a time when women wore revealing blouses. To a time when... A bodice? Yeah, a bodice. (laughs) To a time when we were still at war with another nation. To a t- that could have been yesterday. To a time when uh, tokenism was okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're talking about wow. Hawkeye, right? It, that's that's Diallo's Diallo's pick. Is Hawkeye? Can you t- tell us about Hawkeye? Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, set your way back machines to 1755. Peabody. Peabody. Yes, Simon. Was that his name? Simon? Sherman. 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 Yeah. Sherman. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Hawkeye, uh, it was on for one glorious season from 1994 to 1995. Um, it was actually on in syndication, which is, um, uh, it kind of explains how I found it, which is I first became aware of it like at midnight. <laughs> that's because that's when it was coming on. Um, so if you're watching a show in syndication at midnight and it wasn't um, Baywatch or Silk Stockings, um, then it was destined oh. for failure. Um, <laughs> or it Pacific was, uh, Blue. Yeah, Pacific, Pacific Blue. Blue. <laughs> um, it oh, was uh, uh, produced by Stephen J. Canal, which is uh, you know very uh, aware of him. A Team, all of those shows with the typewriter and the paper piece of paper that flips mm. backwards at the end of yep, every yep. show. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, 
He uh, it was starred Lee Horsley as uh, Natty Bumpo, aka Hawkeye, um, and uh, Lee Horsley's. To me, um, I know him very well from a show called Matt Houston, which was um, in the early '80s. Uh, he's like a detective uh, from Houston, I think it was, and he was in L.A. Um, also, the always amazing, always wonderful Linda Carter. Who played always Elizabeth stunning. Sh- always stunning. She played Elizabeth Shields. And, and it, you know, that was probably a reason why I tuned in also. I mean, at the time, I, the last thing she was in that I knew was Wonder Woman. And that was like a good decade since that when it was on. Um, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw. Bobby yeah. Joe and the Outlaw. Then it starred uh, Rodney Grant, um, who played Chingachgook. Um, Rodney Grant was in um, Best Known for uh, Dances with Wolves. Um, and, uh, actor Garwin Sanford, who played Captain Shields, um, a couple other actors, Lachlan Monroe, who if you, if you watched like any like (laughs) CW shows over the years, any shows filmed in Canada, he's just like a character that's been on a bunch of shows. And weirdly, he's been in a lot of like Wayans movies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was, I, I, cause I, the episode that I watched, I saw him and, uh, Jed Rees and both of them, I was like, oh my God, I recognize these people. And yeah, yeah, uh, Lachlan, I always kind of knew from the scary movies, uh, even though I didn't really watch him, I always saw his, you know, face in it and, uh, Dead Man on Campus. I remember that one with him. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's been, it's like, it's a weird, like, yeah, I don't know how he, but he befriended one of the Wayans brothers, but he ended up in a lot of their, um, yeah, spoof type movies. Um, it was created by Kim LeMaster, who also created Silk Stockings, or it was oh. a, a show or executive producer of Silk, Silk Stockings and also the Wild Wild West, the movie, which, you know, Wild Wild West. It was what it was. Um, oh, with the movie and, with, uh, with Will Smith and Kevin Klein or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, and uh, Hoofa. Han- wasn't Hannibal Lecter in that one? The, Anthony um, Hopkins. Yeah, 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 I think so. Was he? I can't. No, I, I don't know. Was, I didn't. I don't no, know. I think that it was I saw the else. Movie. Yeah. yeah, I saw it once. I, th- I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I feel like I saw it and I like deleted it from my memory. <laughs> There's uh, robots in it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, oh, no, Kenneth, so <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, that's right. It was Kenneth Branagh. Um, and so then I. the music was by Joel Goldsmith, who's the son of Jerry Goldsmith, who um, is famous for a lot of Star Trek um, uh, themes. But Joel is the composer of a movie that is very near and dear to my heart, which I actually think I, I actually think I might have suggested you guys do this show, this movie, which is called Laser Blast. From yeah, the oh yeah, blast. yeah, so good. Um, and he Come also on, did uh, the Stargate TV show, Stargate Atlantis, and yet also he also composed Call of Duty Three, which is really cool to me. Huh. Um, He's got a pretty prolific career. He's done a shit yeah. ton of TV shows. Yeah, ton. So yeah, it was set in the 1755 during the early days of the French Indian War. Um, I um, I guess you know my. Love for it really came from. I've always loved. I've always loved um, Last of the Mohicans, uh, the Leather Stocking Tales uh, from James Fenimore Cooper. Uh, I don't know if, if anybody like a lot of people have seen Last of the Mohicans. That's the most famous of the stories. But the Leather Stocking Tales actually tells uh, the story of Hawkeye over the course of his life. 
So um, there's one book, I think it's called The Pioneer. There's another one, Deerslayer. Um, so he kind of changes his name as he goes along. Leatherstocking is his name um, in his late age. Chingachgook is always his like kind of sidekick, or I shouldn't say sidekick, his partner. Um, so I've watched over the course of my life, I've watched Last Mohicans in various stages. I remember first seeing it and it was like a BBC version when I was a kid. Um, and then uh, seeing some of the movies that were made in the 30s. And then the biggest impact was the movie that came out in uh, 91 or 92, uh, uh, directed by Michael Mann. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, so this show, I think wait, really... Can I, wait, hold up. Sorry. Yeah. So wait. So Last of Mohicans, uh, that's this character? Yeah. So that he's Hawkeye is from Last of the Mohicans. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the thing about, so if, you, if you're familiar with Last of, Last of the Mohicans, the movie. Dan, the well, Daniel Day-Lewis, right? Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. So that's, the same, so that's the same character as Hawkeye on this show. Yeah, same character. Yeah, same exact Hawkeye. Yeah, <laughs> Corey's doing the mind blown. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. has been a, a wild night of revelations for me, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, if, you've, if you're a fan of the movie... The character's the same, but the take of Hawkeye in the movie is actually one of the first times he was actually portrayed that way. So he was actually portrayed as more um, uh, as more of a Native American. Um, but the, over the course of through the books and through the other films, he's always been more of like that Davy Crockett pioneer type um, with, you know, the the hat and the the deer skin stuff that he's wearing. Um, so this, this show actually was sort of like it took that hint because that was actually a lot better representation of the culture, but still had that um, idea of him being like the, the Davy Crockett type at, at the same time, if that makes any sense to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. They so killed that Davy Crockett guy in the episode we watched. So Yeah, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck Davy. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I just like I really like I, I mean, I, I was really into The Last of the Mohicans when the movie came out. It's like reignited the love I already had for the story. And actually, when I was in um, when I was in grad school, actually, my I wrote a novel, which was a part of my master's thesis. And it took a lot of um, hints and themes from Last of the Mohicans in that era. Um, so I wrote a historical novel that kind of like, you know, took some cues from it. Um, as well so I like this this is like an era that's always really deeply influenced me and I've always really really loved so when I saw the shows like obviously I was I was there for it so but like again I think I found it because uh, I was watching Baywatch and Baywatch went off and then this other show came on I didn't really I was like what's what's going on um, and it was like midnight. I'll never forget. It was like midnight, like on a Saturday. <laughs> and uh, uh, so like it wasn't it wasn't long for the world. Um, I don't think it really did. It did very well. And talk about obscure. It's like I wasn't able to find this show since back then till I just happened to, to look it up and it was on Amazon Prime. So it mm. was like, yeah, crazy, um, right? Yeah, and I always like wondered. I always tried to find it. Did I dream that? 
you know, it was that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Did so, I dream Hawkeye? Yeah. And, I, you know, and I, you I know, know watching I it. I Carter. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, watching it, there was one episode I told you guys to watch because there was the one episode I remember I actually recorded it and I really loved it. Um, and it was the one, the one episode that didn't have Linda Carter in it, <laughs> actually. Um, but you know what? Because uh, I hold on the real quick. The, the the you said like, hey, I know this is a good episode. You like you texted us. This is like a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago. And then, like a couple hours later, you're like, don't watch that one. Linda Carter's not in that one. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, mental note: don't watch episode four. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did, and, and I'll get to my thoughts on it. I yeah. watched the one right ap- after. By the way, I watched uh, Siege episode five. So, anyways, you know, it was like. You know, uh, it was a, a period drama, which is um, like even like, I mean, you hardly seen today. But back then, like at that time, it was just super rare. It was filmed up in um, northern Vancouver. So it took, um, you know, took advantage of all of the beautiful scenery and setting of the of that space. Um, it did a better job. You know, this was, again, like Last of the Mohicans, the movie was one of the first times where they actually did Native American culture and actors right. Like, and when I said did them right, I mean they did right by them. So they actually, like, cast Native American actors. Um, They didn't make them, like, even if they played the bad guys, there still was, like, a nobility to them. Um, They were more human. They paid attention to... um, costumes and the way they dressed and they the way they talked and bothered to have their language so it took a lot of hints from that with the show so um even though it does have a little bit of that like cowboys and indians feel to it um for the time it still was trying to um to do things respectful um it succeeded in some ways it failed in some others um but that's uh my uh, my impression with it. Um, still kind of I'm still making my way through the whole thing. I'm kind of halfway through watching the series again. But um, okay, yeah. Okay. What do so you then think? You, uh, you've, you've seen Siege then, right? Yeah, Siege. I think I told you guys to watch Siege next, and that was the that's the other episode that I remembered um, when I started watching. It, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this one with the cannon. Yeah. It was like slowly rolling to yeah. the. Uh, yeah, I really yeah. thought that was cool. So, and and that's that's the one I I watched. And honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought it was impressive as hell what they pulled off in that episode. It there's a constant battle raging throughout the entire episode, which is really cool. And and everything just you know is in chaos because of it. Um, but the but the action is done very well uh, for the budget for a TV show budget. Not surprising because I looked up the director is uh, the director of that particular episode went on to direct like Homeland and Twenty Four. So I was like, oh, yeah, wow. that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and speaking to your like like trying to put the characters and be respectful to the characters, there was a part in, in Siege where the two colonels kind of go out and meet and everything mm-hmm. and. And I was really, I thought the scene was done really well. Um, and like to the point where like they spend this, this, this weird shot. There's like this, this like 30 seconds where the two colonels are like looking at each other while the current, like while the British 
colonel, his men are kind of falling in line and everything. And the other, the French colonel was kind of, they're, you know, waiting patiently. It's like, it's like you didn't have to spend this much time. You could have had them just meet and talk and everything, but they really tried to show you how respectful they were to each other. And I think they also were trying to show you like what the pomp and circumstance was like of, of how you have to line your men up and everything. And I got the sense that they were really if not respectful, at least trying to be accurate to what these these men and women would do. And I thought that was really fascinating. Like I said, it's very action-packed. Um, I thought Haw the guy who played Hawkeye was, was very interesting. I, I really kind of liked him. He has this, like, very old school Hollywood look to him. Um, yeah, even Clark like Gable. <laughs> he has a Clark Gable look to him, very strong chin. And then his eyes, when he smiles, does that squinty smile. He looks exactly the way a lot of artists draw Shazam looking with like sort of the mm. squinty eyes. It's mm. like, I was like, and then right when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's why Diallo likes it. Cause he's got this like Shazam <laughs> vibe. Um, and then Linda Carter, you know, absolutely stunning. Even though this is, you know, years later uh, from from Wonder Woman, absolutely stunning. And then uh, another actor that I, I saw in there uh, played uh, the character's name is Peavy, played by Jed Rees. Uh, you'd recognize him in uh, Galaxy Quest. Uh, he was one of the aliens in that, and he was also like in Deadpool. So like when I saw like him and like Lachlan Monroe standing next to each other, I was a little jarred because I was like, oh yeah, this is like. I was graduating high school in two years. When I was watching this episode, it feels weirdly like a 70s show. And I didn't know why. Maybe because I, Linda Carter, the only time I ever know her is from Wonder Woman. Um, and she almost looks exactly the freaking same in this show. Like, just as beautiful. Doesn't look like she's aged a day. So when I saw them, I was like, oh, my God, that's right. This is a mid-90s show. It's like it, it's weird. And and that's not a bad thing that it doesn't feel like a mid-90s show. It, it just it felt like it had a quality to it, you know, that you just kind of don't find in, in newer shows. But maybe that's, you know, why it didn't last or whatever. But I enjoyed it. it, it it's, it's I don't know if it's something I would kind of move forward with because it's not really sort of my my steez, like like older stuff like that. Not not uh, 1990 stuff, but like I'm not into like frontier type of stuff, Davy Crockett type of stuff. I'm a, I'm a sci-fi guy, um, but I absolutely enjoyed the episode that I watched. I'm glad Linda Carter was in it, and uh, yeah, I, I liked all the characters. I was like, this is good. This is this is solid right here. This is this is pretty freaking awesome. So. I liked it. I liked Siege, episode five. Check it out if you guys haven't seen it. It's got some impressive battles in it for 1994 syndicated TV show. Should not have that many cannons firing, but it does, <laughs> and it's freaking awesome. So Lee Horsley is riding around on his horse, like action style. Yeah. Like, he's, like it's like I I was watching it, appreciating like the stunt like element to it. Mm -hmm. It's I mean that that episode is pretty much. Wall to wall, just action the entire time, and that is damn impressive. But again, the director went on to do uh, Homeland in twenty four, so it, it kind of makes sense. So yeah, I liked it, man. That was Hawkeye was a really fucking cool show, man. Yeah, the that director Brad Turner, you he looks looking at the twenty two episodes. He directed quite a few of the okay. episodes, including the pilot as well. So um, you know, it sounds like he probably had a good reputation. You're spot on about Lee Horsley looking classic. Um, 
by the way, he was in Inglorious Bastards, I think. And he was uh, he was in recently. And he was, he was in, in um he was in Django Unchained. Yeah. So I'm, right. I kind of was like, oh, Tarantino. I guarantee you, Tarantino loves him, right? He he. I guarantee you, if we saw Tarantino on the street and be like, hey, do you <laughs> like that show Hawkeye? He'd be like, from 1994. Fuck yeah, I love that show. I even cast. Yeah, I guarantee you, he fucking knows this show. I think it was in the yeah, Hateful I, Eight. Also, yep, he was in the Hateful yeah. Eight. Yeah, I think so. He's been in like three of the. Uh, Oh, sorry, not Inglorious Bastards. Hateful Eight and Django Unchained. Yeah, yeah those the, two. The two westerns. The two westerns. Um, and but but I, besides Matt Houston, I love him in the the Sword and the Sorcerer, yeah. which was an '82 um, sci-fi fantasy movie. So good, so not available on any platform at the moment. At the moment, but we know it will be eventually because that's just one of those movies that needs to be released. Um, anyways, I had never watched this show totally familiar with it remember seeing the ads in tv guide and uh premier magazine you remember that magazine mm-hmm. um and ew back in the day oh yeah um and the blockbuster magazine i think had they had their own magazine anyways uh i i was not a fan of like the period pieces either uh i liked like straight up action shows typically a la miami vice um, but, but watching it with Diallo, watching episode four, which was more of a dramatic, slower episode, I was still impressed overall. I still thought one, the acting's great. Um, two, the, the set, the, the location was beautiful. Yeah. And three, the, the, the topic was, um, was, was very relevant. It dealt with, you know, assault and, 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 uh, women's rights, rape. Uh, and also brought up uh, the fact that, you know, here we are basically stealing the land from from people uh, that were here way before us. And it's their land, you know, and they brought that up in the episode, too. And I thought that's cool that uh, that that stuff's acknowledged, you know, again, I think there's a little bit of for lack of a better term, a little bit of whitewashing that goes on with content from back in the day where people go, see, they never dealt with issues like this. They never talked about stuff like this. You know, if you go back and watch Dances with Wolves, it is not a Kevin Costner-centric film in the sense that the white man's saving the day. There's a lot of complex issues going on in this movie. It's not just like a, oh, it's it's totally, you know, one white guy against them all. And you look at a, a lot of the other, like The Last Samurai, you know, where it's not that kind of thing. Um, I think white, it just gets... They call it the white savior. That's what mm-hmm. they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I think Dances with Wolves actually is a really beautiful film. And I think it does, um, it paints a fairly honest picture of what stuff that went on back then. Granted, that's this white guy's perspective. Um, however, you know, I, I, I'm fairly knowledgeable on stuff like this as well. So, but again, uh, I think it's cool that Hawkeye is not, you know, he's a badass, he is a badass in episode four. He kicks, you know, that he doesn't flinch when he has the uh, axes thrown at his head <laughs> and actually a really well done scene. Cause you get the yeah. sense there's fair, there's very few cuts in that scene and you get the sense of like, Oh shit. They, they played this for real. Um, and, and the guy, his, his, his partner um, is, is really good. He's a really good actor. And it, it, yeah, he's not dumbed down where it's like, Oh, Hucka, you tell me I go, I go with you. you he know, wasn't like Tonto. 
<laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. no. And I think, you know, that's an example right there. I think people like lump, uh, they take, they take Lone Ranger and they're like, oh, everything was like the Lone Ranger back then. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, I think we, we've learned our lesson and into some respect in some ways, you know. How, how, do, how do you pronounce his name? I couldn't quite. Chingachgook. Chin, chin, and, and I liked it in the episode that I saw. He he like he saves them, and Hawkeye's like, "Where where were you?" And I like Chinkakshkuch <laughs> like, "How about thanks for saving me, Chinkakshkuch?" Yeah, you know? I was like, "Yeah, dude, seriously, Hawkeye, fucking stop," you know? <laughs> yeah, but I love that. I love I love that playful banter. Um, they had a little bit of that in the episode too. Um, yeah, I, I mean, would I watch this series? I totally would. I was saying to Diallo, this would be a great educational fun educational show the show in school you know where you're learning a little bit about um history uh, of you know back in the 1700s and and in uh, using this as the lens for that is i think would be really really neat to to see kids perspectives because you remember the shows we had to watch back in the day where it was like an educational show well, and you learn something. It, well, it's it was boring as hell. It was except for Voyage of the Mimi. Voyage of the Mimi was great. In, <laughs> in the episode that I saw, there was even a subplot of like the the Colonel's right hand man. Uh, like like if they're gonna lose this siege, you know the 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 people that are there, they're like, look, you're a British soldier. If we're gonna lose this, all you're gonna do is be sent on a boat and 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 sent gone, you know, back to England. You know, we have to still sort of live here and deal with all this. And he's like, and you know, that guy was like, well, no, I'm gonna be out. We're gonna be out of a lot of money. And you know, the other guy, the the, the person living there is like, yeah, so whatever. And the guy's like, no, no, not whatever. A <laughs> lot of money. And like, kind of pulls out his gun. And I'll. I was like yeah like i was like this is interesting like there, there's all these different facets that are going on with people who you know like why are they essentially there's all different reasons for why people are there and yeah. i the like i said this episode that i watched was a bit more action-packed and i would like to actually get into more of their motivations each character's sort of motivation as to why they're in the frontier but i liked even in that one episode there's just that one moment where you get this an insight there there's it's not just you know for glory or whatever some people are doing it just for the fucking money of it and boy oh boy in 2021 that is so relatable you know yeah no doubt yeah i mean we've mythologized uh, american history to the point where we like forget that they everyone came over here for money and Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was that was basically it that was like the the you know the french um were prolific fur trappers and they made their money that way um settlers came over here and i you know we want to focus on the the uh, pilgrims for their, uh, you know, Christian beliefs, but really, like the British government chartered so many colonies so that they could, you know, grow tobacco or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to, um, and then the South took off because of cotton. That's why slaves were were brought over in such large numbers. So I mean, it was all about money. Like all of it was about money, and the war was about money because it was about mm-hmm. yep. fighting over territory for the rights of the land. So totally. Um, wait. Totally. So so wait. Does that is money the root of all evil? Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Hey it's guys, in the go, very same go book. Go join our they, Patreon uh, account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, it's funny what you were saying about it, you thinking it was a 70s show, because it actually, like, I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't last, because my impression of it now is that maybe all of the people that were 
involved in making the show, their memories of TV would have been like the 50s and 60s when those kind of shows were really big. Bonanza, you know, Gunsmoke, all that stuff. And it had that feel. Like the sets had that feel. Um, so that, that, again, that might be one of the reasons why it didn't last very well. But it's also why I think you picked up on the feeling of it not being in the mid-90s. And there was something to do with the, the the dialogue, the way it was delivered, and like like sort of how it was written. And mm-hmm. I was fully like, it's like a '70s show until you know uh, uh, the two guys pop up, um, Lachlan Monroe and Jed Rees, and they and I was like, oh, because they even kind of have like their '90s haircuts in it. Whereas even you know uh, <laughs> Hawkeye, like his hair looks more like long and sort of, and then Linda Carter yeah. sort of like looks like she's supposed to, and then of course the British soldiers are like wearing wigs, and then these yokels like pop in and they have their fresh 90 do and everything and i was like ah it's those guys but before they popped up it felt very very late 70s lee horsley had the same exact hair he had in matt houston he just shaved off his mustache so that was (laughs) what a a difference of facial hair makes because without that mustache he looks so different so different so different yeah um like he looks 20 years older with them but then again that was about 10 years old later than yeah. Matt Houston because Matt Houston was like early 80s. Um, and you hit on a good point too, Diallo, where you talked about it it not being maybe that popular because of, of the way it was, you know, the, the, the vibe over, overall. But this is also at a time when Baywatch was on fire. Mm. I mean, guys were uh, VIP with uh, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> I thought about the Young Riders. The Young Riders lasted oh, yeah. like maybe half a season, uh, maybe around the same amount of time. That was on was Fox, an, right? I, I like that show a lot, but I think that show didn't do very – Westerns were like kind of in a slump in the 90s. Uh, that Western vibe, it felt like. I mean, if, if you told me when I was watching this that, like, VIP was going to be on in four years from now, you know what I mean? It's just, like, stylistically, they're just so different. I, I, you know, and, and that's what I picture, like, the 90s, look, you know, and everything. It's not this. It's stuff like VIP, silk stockings, and things like that. Whereas this felt such out of time, but and maybe to its detriment, but also maybe not. You know, years later, it, it doesn't feel like a 90s show. Well, I like that it's available now on Amazon so we can go and watch it. Because like I said, I watched it and I'm like, yeah, I would keep watching this. I like this show. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's cool. And, you know, um, not that I don't want to use the R word, uh, but, you know, if they did remake this, it would be totally fine. Um, I would I mean, love it, to see yeah. it. I mean, it's a remake of a remake of a remake anyway. Yeah. So. Do it's it again. one of those Do ones that's been done, you know, so many times that I'm actually, I'm actually now I'm sitting here kind of surprised I haven't seen a Last of the Mohicans in a in a while actually. So. It is kind of yeah. You would think they may, well maybe it's being worked on as we speak. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm glad you brought this to the table though yeah. because you know, like I said in the top of the show, you know, three hunky series in a way. You know, the the three male dominated series. That I guess that's where the hunky part comes in. I guess <laughs> girls could be hunky too. I don't know, maybe not. Um, <laughs> But but I'm glad we the the genres were so diverse. We yeah. had drama, we had sci-fi, and we had uh, I would categorize noir. this as western. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, noir drama, right? Yeah, and um, uh, a period piece, if you will. And and I'm glad that we were able to dig into these and obviously dig deeper than 
shit, I don't know anybody covering anything remotely similar to this stuff right now. And I'm so glad we bring the uniqueness to the table. Our personalities, uh, our choices, our tastes are so very different and yet similar in a way because we pick stuff and then we all kind of, for the most part, dig what we picked, you yeah. know, for the most part. I, I don't think um, there's been anything so far that, that I haven't liked, you know. I mean, like I said earlier, I, I'll make no bones about it. This Hawkeye is not my steez and I, I probably won't move forward with it. But if I was somehow, quote unquote, forced to watch it or so, I would have no problem watching it. You know, I thought it was well made and, and very cool. I just wish it was sci-fi. That's usually my, my thing. I was like, ah, I just wish it was sci-fi. Maybe, you know? but, maybe that'll be the next twist. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the next twist. It'll be like on another planet or something. And then we can do the same things. We can talk about the same stuff of how we, you know, raped the land and everything. But we can do it, you know, in a sci-fi setting. But, you know, Zach, like you're saying, it's 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 cool because yeah we're we're all friends so there's gonna be a little bit of a Venn diagram no matter what where we're probably all gonna like the the stuff that we're we're, we're shooting at each other but I'm just glad that I'm getting to experience you know these shows that I've never heard of you know or or just heard about recently um, or even just revisiting stuff that I loved back in the day but have not seen it since and and to see how it's holding up so I, I love now that I can have a conversation uh, about Hawkeye and and know what that show was and and understand it and at the same time have a conversation about Midnight Caller just as well as I can have a conversation about Alienation it's really really cool but you know. We do hope that that this conversation lets the leads the listeners down a path where they can start like watching these shows and and discovering them, you know, discovering it for themselves. And, and, you know, don't just watch the episodes that we talk about. Go watch a different episode and see how it compares and see if you like it or not. And most of the shows that we talk about are all on YouTube varying quality degrees but you can pretty much find most of them on youtube uh but hawkeye at least you can watch it on amazon prime thank god for that because oh yeah good quality yeah (laughs) i was gonna originally originally i was gonna choose uh max monroe loose cannon and unfortunately with shadow stevens and unfortunately you can't find that anywhere uh at the moment but if i am able to resurface i do have I do have it actually on VHS. Uh, oh wow! And so if I can, if I can find a way to copy it to an MP3 or a, a, what are you, a QuickTime movie or something, I'll send it to the to the fellas, and we can do that one. But um, uh, side note, you know, you're bringing up sci-fi, uh, modern version of Hawkeye. Let's not do Cowboys versus Aliens again because that movie oh, sucked. That was terrible. That movie sucked. What, what a beautiful, what a beautiful idea, which was done so poorly. And by the way, John Favreau directed that. So oh, oh he did. I, didn't even I remember. forgot about that. Oh yeah. And he was like, guys, this is gonna be so good. It's Cowboys. It's Aliens. I remember Harrison Ford was in it. Harrison Ford and uh, right. James Bond. Uh, what's his face? Yeah, he played yeah. the lead. And I, th- and I think it's, it's based. It was based on a comic book or something. Yeah, it was a you know? yeah, It was based on a Dark Horse comic, I think. Yeah. No shit. Nope. Yeah. Oh, by man. the way, people forget that Men in Black was based on a comic book series as well by Malcolm. Malcolm yeah. Comics. So, yep. yeah. I still got that. Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I'm glad we we covered these. I again, I cannot wait to see what we cover in the future. Cool. Um, well, next episode will be because uh, we know how we do it. We go uh, live action and then animation. So we uh, <laughs> next next time we do this, it's going to be all cartoons, baby. Promise not to get creepy. 
<laughs> I make no promises, but at least I have Diallo here to rescue me, no matter well, what. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna suggest, uh, you know, not to get uh, too creepy, but uh, if we if we do uh, live action sci- uh, sci-fi TV show, babes. Ooh, okay, yeah. I, oh, I would. You know, I would be on board for that one, buddy. And I might put a re- prerequisite that that spandex must be involved in some degree. So it's got to be from the seventies and eighties. Oof, Aaron Gray is going to be on there, baby. Oh. I was just going to say you got you got three. I think you got two or three on that one show because the uh, the the evil uh, queen yeah, or whatever Queen Ardala. Yeah. yeah, amazing yeah, too. That's right. Um, we may go down that road. <laughs> she, was, who, meantime, she was on Matt Houston, actually. She was. She was, she was Matt, Matt Houston's Houston. partner. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, Zach. At, at this point, can we just officially say that Matt Houston will eventually be on here? Because I've never <laughs> seen it nor heard of it. Is that a TV obscure? Is that an obscure show? Uh, I, yeah, I would pre- say it is. Enough. Yeah, pretty. I mean, it was pretty popular back in the early '80s, but it's like it it went away and. No one's really discussed it since, so I think it's game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I think in a way, because I think it's far enough removed, we could do Matt Houston, Remington Steele, and another you yeah. know, modern... Hardcastle and McCormick. Oh, that's a good I one was a too. big... Uh, I was a Scarecrow and Mrs. King uh, guy, kid, boy, oh, yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> I yeah, love yeah, yeah, yeah. If we, if we take If we take the single, the single badass guy, so like Matt Houston... Remington Steele, okay. Hunter, yeah, Hunter. Hunt- I was Hunter. also a Hunter oh, fan. Yeah. I I watched yeah. both Hunter and Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I would bring. I would be totally down to bring Hunter to the table because I fucking love that show as a kid. Yeah. And I and I guess it's like yeah, you could say that's probably was popular then, but we're kind of looking at it now, you know. And it's like and there's only kind of like a handful of shows from the '80s that like people still talk about. There are it's even now like Perfect Strangers is kind of mentioned occasionally, and it's yeah. like people people forget that like that show was so popular at one point that it was on twice a week, new episodes twice a week. That's how popular oh, yeah. that show was at one point, and now it's like eh, no one really talks about Perfect Strangers anymore. So I think TV Obscure, we kind of look at like if it's obscure now versus how it was when it launched type of thing, you know? Well, if you do Hunter and Diallo does Matt Houston, maybe I'll do Sonny Spoon <laughs> with, uh, with, um, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking right uh, again. Now. Another yeah. show I've For, never heard of. Oh, Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, Mario, Mario Van, Van Peebles. Peebles. Oh yeah. shit. What year yeah, was that Sonny was his Spoon? First what is that? Big, uh, his first big, uh, kind of break i guess yeah it was before new jack city so i think it was like um i want to say uh before the posse <laughs> yeah it was before posse and new jack so i think it was i think it was like in solo mid mid 80s it was mid-80s. like mid like the last back half of the 80s yeah yeah because new jack came out i think in what 88 i want to say uh what's yeah, it called I think it was 88 sunny spoon sunny spoon but it's s-o-n-n-y yeah it was like a detective uh show he was cool in that. Super cool. In okay, that. yeah, eight, eighty-eight to eighty-nine. Looks like it was uh, only fifteen uh, episodes. Okay, yep. cool. There's your obscura. Yeah, that was, there you, there, <laughs> there's your obscura. <laughs> Not no three seasons like Midnight yep. Caller. By the way, Midnight Caller is now up there with uh, Voyagers as being like one of uh, so far two of my favorite like non I didn't know about shows. You know, wow. <laughs> you could take. Hawkeye and Voyagers. Hawk, and Hawkeye and history Vo- class. Yeah, Hawkeye and Voyagers is, is a good combination right there. there. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, um, but 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 to to go from 
Hawkeye back in the day to what's going on now with Diallo. Diallo, you are, you've got a podcast besides this one. You've got comic books. Uh, tell us what's going on in the world of Diallo. Well, yeah, it's been a long time since I wrote my first novel and I'm working on my second one, uh, my third one now, um, which is the first Noel Chronicles. It's a podcast slash audiobook. Chapter three will finally be up. By the time you hear this, it should be uh, live and going. Um, and uh, also my comic book, Angela and the Dark. Um, we are, if anyone out there is, is a packaging producer, we could use one right now to, to help get it into Netflix. Um, we also, I'm also working on, um, a couple of other side, uh, projects that I'm developing that I'm going to get out there. My ears, graphic novels going again, and, uh, another concept with, uh, character that I've, uh, shared. I'm, I'm not going to say the name just yet, but, um. It's uh, it's gotten some good feedback, so I'm looking to turn that into a kids' book. So that Angel in the Dark uh, 3D facial render that that you posted yes. of uh, of Angela, that was yeah. so cool, dude. So cool, right? I was blown away. Like I didn't even ask uh, my friend Mark, um, who actually is uh, he works in the industry. Like clearly, he. he he like he he's over the years since we since we put Angela out, he's actually every once in a while he'll like ping me and he's just like oh, I just was inspired and he he'll like he does this, this funky art stuff with it. So he did this uh, one time he did this graphics with the title and then he just he did that one and and it came at a perfect time for me too because you know like I've been kind of going through a, a like a I don't know, maybe my fifth midlife crisis right now So <laughs> in my life. And so, you know, sometimes I'm just kind of like, what am I doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, he was inspired by my comic, so he made that picture, which turned around and inspired me, um, just because I was actually seeing a 3D version of this character that Russell and I created um, come to life and it just made it i'm like okay we can do this we can if we keep going we can actually see a computer animated um cartoon on netflix amazon's my second choice maybe you edit maybe you can edit that out i'm not sure but (laughs) in case they pick us up Um, but anyways it it gave me the energy i needed to keep pushing forward to get it uh, to get it out there to the people that can actually turn it into something because I really believe in the the project, the concept, the character, the timing. Um, it's for girls. It's for anyone that's interested in it, but particularly young black girls who need an original hero to look up to and aspire towards. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's not. It's it's a it's a damn good story. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, check it out. Go, go, go to Diallo's uh, Instagram page, and and you can see the the facial recognition of Angel in the Dark, right? You go or go to Angel in the Dark. Um, uh, th- do you have an Instagram page for Angel yeah. in the Dark? Yeah, so something? we have an Instagram page for Angela and the Dark, um, and then um, for myself, I'm the Armageddon 
Uh, there's a three in there somewhere for the E. And <laughs> it's it's okay. I have uh, I'll have yeah, all the links. The link there. I, I yeah. put all the links in the in the TV Obscura uh, post uh, episode. So any yeah, pretty then, much any TV Obscura that you go to, except for the first one, because the only one Diallo wasn't on. He was on from number two and on, <laughs> and uh, it, all the links are in there. And yeah, you can find you can actually. Uh, I I I bought Angel in the Dark through Comicsology, so you can pick it up through there as well. And I think I have the yep. link in there too. So. Please, yeah, um, go go pick that up because it's I mean, not just it's not just because Dal is one of our you know best closest friends, but it's a good story. It's it's really fucking cool and and it's important. Like Dial said, it, it's it's talking about some good shit that really needs to be out there. So and the, and the artwork is fucking awesome. It's and it's like and if you like Blade Runner, there you go. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, absolutely. the concept uh, it's the introductory sort of it's a issue zero, and the concept is basically Blade Runner meets Pippi Longstocking. If yeah. that's uh, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to you, that's why we like that pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Two things I enjoy: Pippi Longstocking yeah. and Blade Runner. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> if you had said Teen Witch and um, uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, I might not have been sold. Because <laughs> that butt ship in Battle Beyond the Stars is dog crap. Um, but that, yes, if you do, um, side note, if you do happen to visit um, the Comixology page and you purchase a copy, please be so kind to leave a review and stars, and especially for um, uh, the first Noel Chronicles. It's available on all the major podcast outlets we could really use some reviews um as i'm starting to regain momentum and putting out chapters um reviews and ratings will really help get the story out as we um start moving forward yeah no doubt about that yeah do it do it if if you love Corey and i which we know you do uh and you love diallo just as much do this do him a solid do us all a solid yeah, first Noel there. is basically Lord of the Rings meets Christmas, and nice. That doesn't make any sense to you. That's why I like that pitch. So. <laughs> I love I'm your sure. elevator pitches, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so you can find Corey and I obviously every Tuesday. Well, no, every Monday when our episodes drop. Yeah, right? we we record on Tuesdays. <laughs> we record on Tuesdays, but every Monday you can find us. You know where to find us at Podcasting After Dark, clearly. Uh, on this show, clearly. But you can also find Corey on Cat Right, a Seinfeld <laughs> podcast. I'm I'm getting it down pretty good. Why don't we do this? I'm going to I'm going to pitch. I'm going to tell them about your show and then you tell them about my show. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go find Corey at uh, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, which is really freaking great. It's a part of the BFOP network. Uh, the whole BFOP plethora of shows from blast from our blast from the past to last. No, you talking, had it right the first time. Blast from our past. Blast from our past <laughs> to talking back to. Uh, Action, action, our boys in action, action, what's up to all our BFOP friends. But uh, yeah, go check out Cartwright. It's a great Seinfeld podcast. It's it's amazing to me. They're on like, you know, the, the Seinfeld just went on and on and on and on and on. And they do a great job on there. They're already doing uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm now. Yeah. So uh, go check out Corey and all his endeavors. <laughs> Support that mofo. 
Pretty, Thank you, bro. Pretty, Thank you. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty. Yeah, dude. And that's and by the way, it's my first viewing of Curb, and uh, I am oh, wow. learning a lot. So we just uh, finished season one. So yeah, nice, go nice. check that out. And uh, you know, there's a little podcast that I think is kind of great. It's kind of freaking awesome. And it's called $2 Late Fee. Uh, Zach does it with our pal Dustin. I uh, love that dude. That guy is so much fun. And uh, <laughs> especially when we did the uh, the Among Us uh, playing all that together. That was a lot of fun. But uh, <laughs> check, check out $2 Late Fee because uh, Zach and Dustin have a great time. Uh, they interview a lot of people like Annabeth Gish. Uh, that's the one that's kind of out there right now. Although by the time you're listening to it, uh, I won't know what's out there because that's uh will be a week from now it's in the future guys but they have a great time going nostalgic getting nostalgic on your ass but in a much more light and breezy way uh but they also what the one thing that kind of like two dollar lefe does uh very different from like podcasting after dark besides the fact uh that they sort of focus on more of the brighter uh cult movies as opposed to the darker ones like podcasting after dark but the Dustin and Zach go into more of the soundtracks of these movies. Uh, Zach and Dustin both have a very strong musical ear. Um, and basically, they kind of tie everything in with the soundtrack and, and kind of the, the mood and the vibe and everything. And it's really fun. It's a great different take on things. It's it's a it's a different spin on things, like a record. Spin like a record. Get it? Oh, so, okay. <laughs> and right, right. they... And right, right <laughs> good, thank you, buddy. And they are launching their Patreon very, very soon. So I encourage everyone to go check out Two Dollar Lefe. I think by the time this episode airs, Zach, I think your all's Patreon account, your Patreon page will be up. And yes, I believe so. Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, go check that out um, because they're producing some fantastic content over there at Two Dollar Late Fee. Baby. Yeah, for only for only two dollars, you can get a really good show called Tales from the Video Store, which That's... has a great, one of the best, in my opinion, original songs I've ever heard for a for a podcast. For podcast, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just I just heard it today. It's so good. So it's such a ditty. Nice. You're gonna love it. And you know, you know if you got if you got. Honestly, if you got some some cash to throw around, go check out our Patreon too. You know, we got uh, people uh, people like uh, William Sadler. We talked, we interviewed William freaking Sadler. I mean, what else do you want? I mean, I, I got like twenty plus other people that we interviewed that I can tell you about. But William Sadler, guys, come on, come on. Actually, come John on. William Sadler, <laughs> Jonathan William Stark Sadler. was actually pretty fucking awesome. Not not gonna lie, we interviewed fucking Jonathan Stark, uh, Billy Cole from Fright Night. That was that was a standout fucking episode too, guys. So. We yeah, we, we, we've there. interviewed a plethora of genre favorites, and mm-hmm. we've got more genre favorites coming. Um, Peter Jason. Soon. Yeah, if you want, if you want, I'm, they, they just seem to get better with 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 every listen uh, with all these shows. So please, please support our Patreon if you can. Please pr- support Angela in the Dark yep. and the Noel Chronicles, and uh, go all go. You know, if you're able to. Yeah. Like, look, and, you and, know the. No, I was gonna say, and if, and if financially, if you're not able to, just go and leave five star reviews for two dollar late yeah. fee uh, for Angel in the Dark on Comicsology for podcasting after dark. Um, I I know that there are a lot of people out there 
that that want to support us and they kind of like they, they can't afford to support us financially but a free way to support us and all of our friends is by leaving five star reviews it takes two seconds you know just write up a little couple sentences leave one for two dollar lay fee leave one for podcast after dark and, and leave one for the first noel chronicles on apple Podcasts as well so please 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 it's it's much more important than you guys think and, uh, you know, if you have a couple bucks to spend on Patreon, you know, also leave us a five-star review. So, And is, uh, is uh, you know, the Nighthawk here at, uh, at Podcasting After Dark would, ta- would tell you, go check out what's happening in San Francisco. Just go check out what's happening in, uh, you know, Alien Nation and, and, and the Hawkeye guy. And, uh, you know, the Midnight Callers listening. This is a terrible Chicago accent. It has nothing to do with Gary Cole, but enjoy the nightlife. Enjoy the boogie. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, catch you on the obscure side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Mm-hmm.